Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining my podcast today. Uh, knowing Austin personally for over 10 years, it's going to be a great listen, learning about his journey from being a CPA to a successful financial advisor and building a really impressive team inside of Merrill Lynch and most recently transitioning to independence, launching Destination Wealth Advisors. He's a great friend, a great advisor, and makes hands down the best barbecue in the Charlotte area. Austin, I really appreciate you being on today. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, certainly long overdue. Like you said, 10, 10 plus years trying to get me to this point. Um, I don't, what took you so long, Corey? <laughs> I enjoyed every second of it, Austin. I'm just, I'm just glad where you're, where you're meant to be. Yeah, I feel like I am. So thank you. Thank you for getting me here. Absolutely. So if you don't mind, just to start off the podcast, just telling, you know, a little bit about how your career started and how you got into the business. Um, I started off following in my father's footsteps in public accounting. Um, I like to say it took two weeks. It was probably two months before I realized I didn't want to do that. Had no idea what I wanted to do. Had a few people tell me I'd be good at sales, and I laughed and said, that sounds like a horrible career. And then I met a friend um, who became my advisor at Morgan Stanley, Doug Rivlin, who's now at Merrill Lynch. And we just became friends. And a few years later, he said, you'd be good at this. And I don't know. I just took a chance. I was young. One of my managers had said, it's a very difficult career early on. Um, but this is the time in your life to do it, right? No, no wife, no kids, no real debt. Um, and I wasn't making a whole lot of money. So what did I have to lose? And at late 1998, I went to Morgan Stanley and it just went from there. That's awesome. And, and how long were you at Merrill Lynch before you transitioned? Um, so Morgan Stanley was 98 to 2006. Um, that was July of 2006 at Merrill Lynch. And then we left in March of 2023. So almost 17 years. Awesome. And just, and just for the listeners, can you tell us just a little bit about like your team prior to, to Merrill Lynch and, and, and what it looked like or not prior to Merrill Lynch, prior to positioning? Um, so at Morgan Stanley, my partner, Dee Buckminster, and I worked in the same office, um, kind of fell into an opportunity that was more in her sweet spot than mine, um, and, and just started picking her brain. And I said, let's go after it together. I've got no shot on my own. And it went well. We played off of each other well. We were both young. Um young in our careers. So I feel like we're young in age. Um, but we started just, there were a couple opportunities that just, we were in growth mode. So you have a lot of opportunities in those early growth stages. And we just kept, hey, will you help me with this one? And it really started as a handshake agreement. She maintained her existing book. I maintained mine. And it evolved to everything new went into this pool. And that pool outgrew both of our individual books in honestly under two years. Um, and then nothing wrong with Morgan Stanley. We got to be friends with the manager in the Huntersville office um, at Merrill Lynch. And 
we liked him. He was trying to grow that office. And he said, come on over here. Let's all grow together. Similar age, similar size book and all that. And we went there and the good times continued. We had we had 16, you know, you do a transition, 08 happens, early 09, paper tantrum, Brexit, all the things that came up, COVID. And we just grew and grew and grew. Um, in 2019, we added um, Brian Trombley to the team, um, another advisor to help us. We had one assistant covering the three of us. Um, and about a year ago, we added another assistant, and we had already started, as you know, looking at other opportunities, going independent, and we ended up with uh, a friend of ours was just already independent, and we were bouncing ideas off of him. That's Ben McDonald. I don't know, maybe a year ago we were sitting around and he said, I wish there was a way to combine. And we started telling him what we were thinking with Kestra. And he said, I want to be a part of that. And we said, okay. And again, it was not all a handshake deal, but it really started as a couple handshake deals. And we just, we went from there and we worked well together. And here we are. This is the eighth month since we got together and came over here. That's awesome. So I'm going to turn the question around that you just asked me in the beginning of this podcast, you know, as, as I've been exploring with you uh, for the last, you know, 10 years or so, I've, I've told you this before, but I, I truly did mean it that I didn't think there was any other advisor that was more meant to be on the independent channel, just the way you think, the way that you want to be left alone to do what's right for your clients and also just being, you know, pretty, pretty entrepreneurial in your mind, I think, and, and really understanding the numbers, you know, what, what took you so long? Um, you know, and, and I told you this over the years and I, I think maybe I tell myself this, I, this is directed at the person who is me sitting at a wirehouse thinking the same thing. I think the easy answer is complacency, right? We had, have had, we had, we had a significant book and, and very good income. And you say, well, the rules changed on this, or you need to grow in order to do this, or open X number of accounts, or sell this. At some point, it's like, who cares? Like, like we always hit the growth awards. So that wasn't an issue for us. But even if we didn't, so what? We were doing well. I mean, it, our clients were doing well. The markets were doing well. We were doing well. Our families were, were happy. And there was a bit of a complacency going on. But I think if I'm honest, if I'm truly honest, I think it was fear. And not, you know... You, I, I created it once knowing nothing. So I knew I wasn't going to start from zero. Um, but when you make a move, it's not just will my clients follow me? What are the repercussions if they don't? Um, my family, obviously, but what about your staff? They're taking a chance too. Um, what if, making up a number, what if 40% of your clients came? That's a pretty low number. 
that would have put some strain on us. And that in turn would have impacted those that came. And so all those thoughts, I mean, what we do for a living is risk-based, right? We're constantly looking at what is the risk. And so when you apply that to yourself and you think, I know I'll be okay. What about everybody else? And it, it, I think that held us back. That makes sense. And, you know, a, a lot of times I'm curious if those are things, you know, made up in an advisor's head on their own or, you know, things they've heard in the industry. I mean, over the last couple of years, I've helped more employee advisors make a transition to independence than ever. And, you know, you just constantly hear that their regional leaders tell them, you know, a lot of misconceptions, whether, you know, you need a brand to be able to run your business and grow your business or to bring your business to another place. Or by the time that you run an independent practice, that you're not going to have time to grow your business anymore like you could at the wirehouse. And you hear these things for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. You know, sometimes you start to believe them. I think we're going to learn later in this podcast that a lot of those things aren't true. But, you know, sometimes I just wonder where that because it's always that 40% number when, that somebody brings up um, when they think about the worst case scenario. I, I agree with you. I, I never felt threatened. We certainly heard that, right? The, the metrics are that you know, we keep 50% or whatever when an advisor leaves, but I don't know how they came up with those numbers. I, I sat in an office and saw enough people leave to know that wasn't the case. Um, maybe they were including mortgages or checking account balances or something, and how are they derived? So there was a bit of that. Um, from my perspective, what helped tip the tide was the constant focus on growth. And and look, we're in a growth business. Every business owner, you, me, anybody watching this wants to grow, but there's good growth or growth for the sake of growth. And at some basic level, I, several years ago, was sitting there approaching age 50 going, got 120 or so households. If I just add eight a year for 15 years, I'm going to double my number of clients. This is a service-based industry. I, there are not enough hours in the day. So at some level, you get to a point where it's like, what's the risk, right? Because I, I want to control my destiny uh, a little bit more. So there's nothing wrong with the wirehouses. I have nothing ill to say about any of the places I worked at. I've built my career there. They're phenomenal. Um but at some level, I think their interest for shareholders and grow, 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 grow starts to deviate from the interest of the advisor and more specifically, the advisor's client. My clients want me to succeed. They don't want me to have three times as many clients Yeah, because it's less time for them. That makes a ton of sense. So it wasn't really that there was like a final straw. It was just kind of you getting to a point where you realized, you know, you want to maintain the service to your clients. You want to grow at the level that you want to grow. And 
you know, not be forced to do that every year or was there something, something specific? Um, I could have continued on that route for a while. Um, as we grew, I mentioned that we had one assistant. We added a, a junior advisor and then later another advisor. We were covering, like most, most advisors, most teams, we were covering a portion of our primary um, assistant's income. Um, when we added the junior advisor, we were an advisor. So that was more growth hurdles to hit. That wasn't the role we wanted Bryant to play. Obviously, we're happy if he brought in, but he was there to make our lives easier. But the metrics were, well, that's one other advisor. That's four, six, eight, whatever number more accounts or X number more dollars. And we were hitting. We hit them every single year. Um, so we were making more money. We were growing. But we were also paying his income. Our assistant was making more as we grew. When we added Jordan, um, that was an exception to the policy. And the exception was, we'll let you hire him, but y'all will pay for him and your benefits. All of a sudden, we were keeping, say, 40%. It was a little bit more than that. But our expenses were going parabolic. And I looked and thought, wow, my revenue in the last four or five years is up 25, 30%. My net income's up 4%. What business owner after a 20 some odd year career wants to have parabolic growth with shrinking margins? Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, it, that just doesn't make sense, right? I, in the end, I'm a math person. I mean, you graph that out and you go, I'm making less per hour than I was 20 years ago on the next dollar. No, thanks. Makes, makes a lot of sense. So, you know, we explored a couple of different firms together, um, you know, dwindled them down to, you know, a, a, a digestible list. Um, you decided to choose Kestra uh, Private Wealth Services at the end of the day. You know, what was your thought process around that and why Kestra over the others? Um, it's interesting looking back and, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I think we actually started even looking at other wirehouses. Uh, so if the number was less than 14, I would be stunned where, where we started. But you're right. We got it down quickly to two or three. And as I recall it, you kind of said, I want you to talk to these guys. Um, their personality might fit with you and your team. And I think you made the introduction to Bill Taddeo and he and I hit it off. Um, just, we clicked. I didn't know Kestra. I had heard the name, but I didn't know them. Um, like for instance, an LPL. Um, I didn't have, they didn't have that brand recognition. Mm -hmm. There were a couple calls with Bill. Um, and I think you and Bill got me to talk with, um, Rob, who was one of the founders of private wealth service. And that connection just, he and I instantly hit it off. 
And then his partner, Scott, several days later, I spoke to him and it, it was the same. And, and I, I remember thinking at the time, wow, I've really connected with these. I wonder what Dee and Bryant are going to think. What if they want to go an opposite way? Here I am doing all this talking. And, and yet, so we had a Zoom call like this. And I just sat there quietly thinking, please don't let this blow up. Please don't let this blow up. And, and it went well uh, with Bryant and Dee asking questions of the Kestra folks. And, and we ended the call and I'm sitting there and it's crickets. And, and I'm thinking, somebody's going to call me. Somebody's going to call me. And it was crickets. I mean, like waiting for a prom date. And like 15, 20 minutes went by and Dee called and said, Hey, real quick, Bryant and I have been talking, and I mean, obviously we, we want your opinion, but we really don't want to talk to anybody else. I'm like, what? And, and they were like, oh, we loved these guys. This is perfect. Nice. And, and that was the conversation, and it was like, okay, I'll let them know. And then I called you, and I was like, well, you're not going to believe this. So. That's, that's so very often not the case as well when you're working with a more complex team. You know, you, you, oh, I know. Oh, you know, we're terrified. Very, we're three different personalities. Yes, but many times there's four or five people on a team. Some people can't even make a decision on employee versus independent. Never mind, like the same firm all together. So things really, you know, align perfectly there. Well, and and if you get granular, and and I don't want to rank this because I think we all like each other, the Kestra folks and and all of us. Later conversations were Austin saying, Rob and I are exactly alike. And Dee saying, oh, Scott and I were exactly alike. I really like Rob, but I think that dynamic helped the and listening to them now that I've had some time to get to know them, I mean, that was a year and a half, two years ago. So as we've gotten to know them better and they know us better, it's funny. I mean, they balance each other out. D and I balanced each other out. Anybody looking to make any kind of team, whether it's with a Castro or one of their competitors or as a financial advisor, Dean, I like to say we're going to get to the same place in two completely different routes. And most most advisors, successful advisors, are type A driven. That took a while. We had to learn to let go. Her style is different than mine. Yeah. And mine is different, but it made us better. We saw a lot of that in Robin Scott. You know, going back to that why did it take so long question as well. When, when we first started having conversations um, in the very beginning, platforms like this didn't exist on the independent channel where wirehouse financial advisors made the leap to independence. They remember the fears. They remember how hard it is with the office space and the payroll and and the website and the brand and the brochures um, to give somebody a really turnkey solution to get them over to the independent channel where they want to be and just worry about bringing over their clients and not a lot of some of the other stuff. Also, you know, a lot of options like a, a private wealth services, you know, 
Rob and Scott have made that transition before. They were on the wirehouse side. They're on the independent side now. As you know, going through this due diligence process, everything is so alien, platform fees and ticket charges and doing things as a 1099. They can help an advisor do it in a way that and, and explain it in a way that a wirehouse advisor understands and translate, you know, independence in a really easy way. Right. And and Dee and I both have accounting backgrounds and, and obviously math skills, right? She's a CFP, I'm a CPA. I think we're capable of running a business on our own. But is that what you want to do all day, every day? Do you want to handle all the HR, all the payroll, figure out the 401k, negotiate the lease? Oh, the air conditioner or the heater's not working today. I No, man, that sounded like, you know, taking on a second job. So along come these opportunities, this partnered independence, and they say, for a small fee, we'll take this off of your plate. It was, oh, wow. Um, and, and you brought that to the table, not just with, with Kestra. They're not alone. Um, there are a lot of options out there. And I would tell anybody, you don't have to be, go become an expert and wear 50 hats. Um, we're certainly not. We're in tune and aware, but if I run out of notepads, it's already set up. It's out there. They have the printer. I mean, we click some buttons and they show up. Um, that's nice. I'm not calling a printer or negotiating prices or any of that. Great. Hi, it's Corey. I'm jumping into an episode to share a quick note. First, I really hope you're enjoying this conversation and that you found it informative and educational. Second, if you're a high-performing financial advisor considering a transition and you have any questions about the industry landscape, I'd be happy to have a 100% confidential conversation with you at absolutely no cost. And you can reach out to me via text, phone call, LinkedIn DM, or through my website. All my contact information is in the bottom of the show notes. And if you're interested in learning more about how I help financial advisors find their new home, visit my website, CoreyWhalen.com, or simply type Corey Whalen into Google and YouTube, and you'll have quick access to all my on-demand educational content right at your fingertips. Now I'll let you get back to the conversation. So let's fast forward a little bit. You know, you're, you're a couple of weeks from the transition, you know, cash through private wealth services is walking you through office space is getting set up. You're getting your, any data you're allowed to bring with you legally ready. Um, you know, what's, what's your mindset uh, a, a week out from this transition? Um, I took, <laughs> there are several different approaches. I think some people say I'm going to kick ass and take names and I'm going to get a hundred percent. I tend to take the more conservative route. Like what would I be okay with? Um, that's just mental tricks. I'm saying this, I'm thinking if I were listening to this three years ago, what would I want to hear? That, that's just mind games. I'm not going to tell you one way is right. Each person will play that trick on themselves for themselves. Yeah. Um, I, what went through my mind? I don't want to 
disappoint my clients. I don't want to disappoint my staff. I don't want to disappoint my family. I don't want to disappoint myself or my partners. I was scared. I was very scared, to be honest. I don't know why, um, but it was. And then I just said, you know what? Just work hard. Just do the right thing. Good things will happen. And it did. And, and you get a few surprises. That goes both ways. Um, I focused, Ali, what if this person says this? Or what if this person says no? Or what if these five people say no? That happens. Where I was most surprised is the outpouring of support. I mean, the email went or the phone call was made, and it was, of course, I'm with you. Yeah, move on to the next person. We'll get together. Yeah, just email me what you need. Or, yeah, I'll come by the office next Tuesday. You know, but, but if you don't have time, just have your assistant call. I mean, emotionally, I was overwhelmed because of, I was humbled at the outpouring of well wishes and success. And and I say that not again, me three years ago listening to this, watching this, I, I would tell anybody who's been doing this 10, 15, 20 years, I sold myself short, but I don't think it was anything special about me. I think any good advisor is going to experience that. And, and sure, there's some negatives, but you were going to be overwhelmed with it, it's just humbling the people that are proud of you happy for you and just poof, the floodgates open i mean within six days eight days i was like okay we're good it not was not <laughs> i knew we were going to be good um then the fun started i i hadn't worked that hard in a while i think my wife said it was nine straight weeks of 10 or more hours a day, seven days a week. Um, we worked hard. I'm 52. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've worked that hard in 20 years, but here we are today and, and we're having a really good time. It was worth it. I love it. I, I remember about like eight days after you transition, it was like late at night. I was in my backyard. I was, I was grilling chicken and I got a phone call from you. And normally when you get a phone call, the first week of a transition from an advisor, that's normally not a good conversation. But I, I remember you calling me up and I'm kind of like bracing for impact. And you just called me and just kind of told me exactly what you said, just the conversations that you were having with your clients and that you built this like big, long speech in terms of kind of like how it was good for the client to move and, you know, how it was going to be better on the other side. And like, you didn't even need that. Your clients were just like, yes, where do I sign? How do I do this? And I remember you just saying, you just had the biggest wave of gratitude, you know, come over you, which was just an awesome conversation to to have as a recruiter so oh yeah no and it's funny i i'm watching myself i'm hearing myself i'm choking up 
you know, I want to be this type A tough sales guy. I've been doing this 25 years. Take no prisoners. Nobody wants, you know, somebody who's wimpy managing their money. But it, the emotion was not negative emotion. I would just walk in the house, just deer in the headlights, 10 o'clock at night. And they'd look at me and go, are you okay? I'm, like, I'm better than okay. I didn't, I didn't know this was a feeling I could have. I was exhausted. But I was feeling pretty damn good. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're se seven months in now, right? Yep. Seven and a half, I think, is, yeah, somebody told me that. So, you know, what have things been like? What has your success been bringing over, you know, your, 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 your clients? What does an advisor need to know seven months in that's, you know, better than than the wire house and then we'll cover maybe what's not as good um um what's better there's no quota over my head i don't have to take on client there's no number to hit there's no mortgage to sell, credit card to offer, checking account to offer. So, I mean, it's funny when you're working for a big firm, people ask, what are you doing with your money? Well, I'm doing, you know, the investments are identical to yours, but I don't bank here. You're not supposed to say that, right? Um, you cannot answer it, but um, here I can say, well, you know, such and such bank is giving me 5% on my safe money. Oh, is that with you? No. There's a freedom in that. Like, we're fiduciaries. You can just flat out tell people exactly what you would do if you were them or what you are doing if you're them. That sounds silly, probably, to somebody listening to this. Consider it from the client's perspective. Um, they'll appreciate that. Awesome. So for an advisor out there that, you know, might be considering a transition or, you know, is ready to make a transition, like look, looking back on how your transition went, if you can fast forward, you know, 10 months back again and do anything over differently like what would you have done differently to ensure a smoother, like better transition? We've talked about that extensively, in fact. Um, golly, would we have spent more time learning the system, you know, Kestra's system? It, it's, my big joke is, is when you learn something new, it, it almost be like saying, Okay, I'm going to make you use your mouse with your left hand, but you've always used your right hand, right? The program's the same. The information's the same. It's Even if you're hyper-coordinated, the dexterity of I'm used to this finger clicking, now it's going to be this finger. I go look at an account. The, the one that jumps out at me is for 20-some-odd years, if I went to look at somebody's account, probably I was going to look at what I would call activity. 
every system I've ever had, there's an activity button. It'll show me what happened in the last 10, 20, 30 days, two years, whatever. Well, on the new system, they don't have anything for activity. It's called history. So you click a button on that client and this menu opens up and I'm just conditioned to look for the word activity. And it starts with A, it's usually at the top left. History is about midway, halfway down. It probably took me six days to remember that. Yeah. It was just different. I, I built habits. Um, little things like that, just playing around in the system. Um, so that I was more adept at using it. Um, I felt like square peg, round hole for a little bit of time. Especially during game but, time, right? It's different playing with it under no pressure versus under uh, when, when, the, when the whistle blows. Right, 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 right. So if, if that happened to me today, if there's something, you know, completely different, I'm dealing with one client, four accounts or something today, I would simply say, hey, I'm having an issue with my computer. Can I call you back in 15 minutes? I'd run down the hall and ask somebody to help me. Yeah. And then I'd call them back. When you're calling 120 households, that might be 170 people. Um, it's just nonstop. You don't have time for that. And, and it's funny I say that. Um, I'm a big fan of saying you need to slow down to speed up. Yeah. Right? If you're going to do a job, do it right the first time. Um, and I say that all the time. And yet you get into this, I've got to go, I've got to go, I've got to go. Um, I don't know how to tell somebody to combat that. Honestly, I don't know that there was enough time to go spend more on the system because the other thing I would have done, you can't go tell your clients, but there's no rule against going and visiting with them and calling them more. And we were doing that, right? We wanted to be in their mind when we left i wanted to uh, talk to them or have them see me you know within a month or two months or three months and i wish i could have done more of that but at some basic level there are only so many hours in the day right i i don't know what i would have done differently i'm sure if i spent the time doing that there would be other things that fell apart so I think the result would be the same. It, it, it's funny. I had a lot of people, other advisors who had made the transition, not just with Kestra, um, people at Kestra tell me, Hey, just do your thing, reach out to your clients and good things will happen. And I didn't want to believe it. I thought there was a magic formula or button or something. You and I had this conversation multiple times. Everybody was right. I was dead wrong. So I'm not going to change that now and say, oh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Um, it'll work out. Just, just uh, you know, one other thing to, to add, I just thought of, Austin. I remember through the process when you were working with Kestra, like as you were transitioning, we were talking on the phone and you said, Corey, like everybody is so nice here. Yeah. And I remember you being like so surprised and, you know, just coming from like a wire house employee mentality, I tried to explain to you, there's just such a huge difference of being an employee at a firm that has support people versus you actually being a client 
that can pick up and leave at any time, just kind of the thought process around that. But uh, it was it was hard for you to get around, but I'm, I'm interested to see if it's if you still feel it's that way. Absolutely. And and. I had maybe three weeks ago, I had an opportunity to go to a two and a half day conference for advisors like myself with Kestra. Um, so we've got a lot of people from the home office, right? People I've mentioned, other people, people I've talked to on the phone. And then I think I was one of 30 advisors from around the country. Some of them had been independent. I mean, 30, 40 years, a little bit older than me. Some of them less time in the business than me, but independent for five or 10 years. Um, it's been a long time since certainly wasn't the youngest, but it's been a long time since I walked into a room of financial advisors and knew less than everybody there. Not about the business, but about being a business owner. Um, I've got of those 30 people, I bet there are five or six who not, here's my business card. It was program me in your phone, send me a text. Here's this. You and your wife come visit, come sit down in my practice for two or three days on a Thursday and Friday, and then we'll spend the weekend together. And I mean, or, I'm going to send you this. Here's a contact. Oh, you need to reach out to this person and talk to them about this. I, I was like, I was like a kid in a candy shop. And I'm like, I, I know this business. But it wasn't about acquiring clients or all this. It was, look at what you can do. Um, pages of notes. I got more in that two and a half days than the last 10 conferences I've been to in my career prior to that. And the ones that I went to in the past were good. I mean, let's be honest. I I want to be clear about this. That's Merrill Lynch. I mean, that's like saying Kleenex when you're talking about tissues. To me, at least in my lifetime, of the wirehouses, that is the pinnacle. And I was there. I was playing with the big boys. I mean, yeah. I'm not taking anything away from them. We had a great office. The manager who recruited us is still a friend. I've spoken to him multiple times. Um, he was sorry to see us go. I was sorry to leave. He, he is a dear friend. I, I have no ill will against Merrill Lynch. None. I, I think it's a great firm. But I will say the outpouring of other business owners, they didn't view me as just another guy down the hall who they were measured against. It was, we've been where you are, let us help you. The same way I would take a junior advisor, not because I know more than them. The one thing I could do for them is help them avoid the mistakes I probably made 10 times in a row before learning. And, and I had a room full of people doing that for me. It, plus the folks at Kester's home office. I mean, wow. And they knew me. People I hadn't met, hadn't talked to, knew me. I walked up, oh, Austin, we're so happy you joined. You know, everybody says y'all's team is doing so well. Had an opportunity to talk to Dee three weeks ago, and she told me you were going to be at this. I've been looking forward to meeting you. I mean, wow. 
I don't know. That was that's a good feeling. That's amazing. I uh, I, I I try to tell advisors that a lot when they're exploring the pros and cons of you know wirehouse and independence. And when I say that, I could almost like hear their eyes roll over the phone sometimes. But I mean, it, it it's something you have to see for yourself. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, hey, that red thing on top of the counter there is hot. I probably touched it to make sure. My mom was right. The eye of the stove is hot, but sometimes you just have to touch it to figure it out. I, you said that eye roll. I, it's funny watching yourself on these videos. I, I know I roll my eyes. I didn't, I didn't know I rolled them this much, but yeah. <laughs> Corey, in all these years, all these phone calls, I've rolled my eyes with comments from you and others, and yeah. I was wrong. I mean, I'll admit it. I was wrong. I rolled my eyes a lot at you, though, but you were right. Well, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's a hard thing to uh, to grasp unless you see it for yourself sometimes. Austin, I, I really appreciate the time. There's so much information. We can talk for probably, you know, four more hours on this, but is there is there anything else that you would want to cover or that you think other advisors that are transitioning should know before we wrap up? Yeah. And this is going to sound hokey, um, but I mean it, I mean it for your business, for anybody watching this, for anybody thinking about it with or without Kestra, any firm anywhere. Um, I would make this offer. Um, obviously I'm pleased. If somebody is feeling like I felt, whether it's complacency or fear or the unknown or they're rolling their eyes, and, I, and I've said this in person to a few folks, the offer I would make is call me, call me. And you know exactly what I'm going to say. So there's nothing new there. It's almost pointless to call me, but I want you to call me. And get your significant other on the phone or in person if you want to go out to dinner. Let me bring my wife. Let me bring my 29-year-old daughter, if need be, my 17- or 15-year-old son. But most importantly, my wife. Have your significant other ask any of them, is our life better? And I don't mean financially. Just ask. And I'll shut the hell up and let it go from there. That's, that is going to be the closing deal. She would tell you it, it's, it's a whole new ball game. And we had it good before. I don't want you to think, oh, it's terrible. But my demeanor, my outlook, the, the, the enjoyment of what we do, it, it's, it, I didn't know it was possible. And I, I mean that. I think I think everybody, Frank, goes, am I going to let these people down? Nah. They need to be focused on how much anybody watching this has a pretty damn good life. It can be that much better. And I would say just get your significant other in a room with mine and let her tell the story. She's not going to talk numbers. She's going to talk about our life. I think that would be a game changer for a lot of folks. I love it, Austin. Um, 
I really, really appreciate the time. Um, still, absolutely. You, I still, uh, I still owe you that celebratory dinner sometime soon. And I uh, think I owe you a celebratory dinner. Um, <laughs> you've changed my life, and you've been a good friend for a long time. You've had incredible patience. Um, you've answered some tough questions, right? I mean, you're in sales too, and and talking to a friend of mine today about people who understand the long game and you certainly understand that and and you've got a good reputation you've been a good friend and i think my wife would tell you you've changed our lives and and for the better significantly and we appreciate it It was my pleasure austin i appreciate the time so much if anybody has any other questions about the broker-dealer or the RIA space, take a look at my website, coreywhalen.com, W-A-L-E-N. My contact information is in the About section of my YouTube channel. Or if you're listening on the podcast, it's, it's right below the podcast. Thanks so much, and I hope you have a great day. Thanks again, Austin. Thank you. Appreciate it. I really, really hope you find this podcast of value. If you do, please make sure to subscribe and share it with your friends.